0: Good morning City Walk Church, how are we doing this morning? Do, do you have green on? If you don't have green on, then someone very annoyingly will come up and pinch you. I've already been pinched a few times this morning. Uh, remember, I, I remember as a little kid you come to school, and, and especially if you're a boy, you forget about these kind of days. And the girls come with like green everything, but the boys, they come and they don't know what day it is, and uh, you just start getting pinched. So probably will happen to you at uh, church today too. But whether you get pinched or not, whether you wore green or, or not, we're so thankful that you're here. As Caban said, this has been a really fun week for our church. Uh, this past Wednesday night, we kicked off city students, and uh, we, we had such an awesome, awesome night. We had 22 students come for the very first service, and uh, which what, that deserves a hand. That's exciting. <laughs> Uh, last week, if you were in service, we prayed over our uh, city student leaders, and they did such a phenomenal job on Wednesday night. And uh, it was exciting. We had some students there that literally had never walked into church before. Uh, many others that uh, have been coming, and their families have been coming to church uh, here at City Walk. But it was an awesome, awesome. Uh, week and uh, we're excited two weeks from so not this Wednesday the following Wednesday will be our next city students night and so if you didn't get a chance to join us uh, if you're a student or you know one uh, make sure you're there Uh, we're gonna have a really good time another thing that's coming up and we mentioned it this past week uh, if you were here is we're gonna have on Easter Sunday we are gonna have two services that morning Uh, and so we'll have one at nine o'clock we'll have one at 1045 Uh, In the next few weeks, we're going to have invite cards for you to give to your neighbors. We're going to have even some yard signs uh, where you can put it in your yard. And I mean, we've literally had people come to church because they saw a yard sign in somebody's yard. Uh, And so we're going to have some of that. We're going to have some fun things that we can uh, use to invite our neighbors. But that's a really special day. And uh, there's people that you know that will not come to church on any other day. But if you invite them on Easter, they will come. And so I encourage you to do that. Another thing about Easter is with us having two services, uh, we need a few more bridge builders. We call volunteers here bridge builders. And so if you are interested in saying, you know what, I'm interested. I've been kind of coming to this church a little bit, and uh, I'm interested in maybe taking a step, getting involved. You can stop by Next Steps, or you can do it with the app. Uh, you can sign up to serve in one of those two services that day. And so that's really what we need. In order for us to really do a good job that day, we need a lot of people that say, you know what, on Easter Sunday, I'll come to a service and I'll serve at a service. And that just make that part of what you do that day. And so uh, that's going to be a really fun day. You'll hear more about it this, uh, this next week uh, here at church. Uh, I had a question I was going to start this morning with, and and I want you to think back. When was the last time that you felt like your mind was blown? When, when was the last time that you felt like your mind was blown or, or la- that you just kind of lost your mind? Maybe it was something that, that got you so excited and took you by surprise. You, you felt like you lost your mind. Your, your, your thinking was flustered because you were so excited. Maybe it was something that wasn't exciting. Maybe it was just a huge surprise. Where, where you, man, something came into your life that you weren't expecting and it threw you way off. Maybe it was the, the lights that came on behind your car as you were driving down the road and, and you were jamming to your favorite song and life was good, but then the lights came on behind you and when you had to pull over and the officer came to your door, you'd like, Bleh. you didn't know what to say and you were kind of flustered. But when was the last time that you remember, like, man, I felt like I lost my mind in that scenario? I've had a few of those scenarios in my life. One of them was when I found out that we were having a baby. Uh, when We, when we, we have a, a 17-year-old, we have a 14-year-old, and we have a 5-year-old. And so we were kind of going along with life, and we had the two older ones. They were one was kind of entering middle school, and one was about to enter middle school. And we thought, man... We're, we're done with the diapers, we're done with uh, the preschools, I mean, we're getting into this middle school thing, and man, we are, we're skating along, this is good. And then, not to be too crazy, and uh, not to, to give you too much information, but just that one or two little scenarios that took place, like, man, how did that happen? It wasn't supposed to happen, and, and that's exactly what happened to Lori and I. I, I we're, we're at we're on think we're at Thanksgiving. My wife says, hey, I want to go to uh, CVS or Walgreens and get some newspapers with articles about the sales. So I want to get the sales paper. I'm like, oh, go. Go do your thing. Go get the paper, whatever you need to do to find out more about the sales. And so we're over at Steven Sue, my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house, and we're having Thanksgiving, you know, doing what you do in America on Thanksgiving, eating way too much, watching football, and then going back and eating more and watching more. Fo- so that's, that was kind of the day. And then all of a sudden, I'm standing in Stephen Sue's kitchen, and I'm talking to somebody that was there for Thanksgiving, some friends of ours, and all of a sudden, I feel my phone buzz. And I look down, and it's, a oh, wow, why is Lori texting me? And I get this text, and it says, I'm in the CVS bathroom. We're pregnant. And I, I, I remember, like, my mind, I, I someone was talking to me, but I literally had no clue what they were saying to me. I, I'm trying to carry on this conversation. Because, man, we were at a space in our life where, man, we were done with this. This wasn't on our, our radar at all. And then all of a sudden, here comes baby number three. And I just remember my mind. And it was like two weeks long of being flustered and like, what in the world is going on in our life? And now we're, we're thankful to have her. But, man, I remember at that time, I felt like I had lost my mind. And unfortunately, sometimes in Christianity, and if you're a follower of Jesus, We seem to be the people in society that have lost our minds. And here's what I mean by that. We seem to be the people, and cable TV and sitcoms, if there's ever a Christian on the show, they're usually like the biggest idiot on the show. Or, or if somebody's being interviewed on cable news, it's like this caveman kind of deliverance esque guy that's come out of the woods, and they're they're interviewing him uh, about his faith in Jesus, and and we all kind of, and some of it we deserve, but we all kind of get lumped in with these kind of uh, they follow Jesus, but they're not very smart, and 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 that's just kind of if you're a follower of Jesus, then you you probably don't have a lot of intellect, and you probably kind of had to leave your brain at the door when you decided to follow Jesus, and this is kind of the reputation sometimes that we have uh, here in, in America about followers of Jesus, and for some of you, when you were a little kid in Sunday school, somebody handed you a Bible, it probably had saran wrap on it, and it was a little gift Bible, and they handed you this Bible, and they said, hey, you should believe this. And for you, that was enough. You, you've never had any issue. You, somebody told you to believe this, and you said yes. And, and that's a little bit of, of my testimony. Man, somebody shared that with me when I was a little kid, and I've never been one of these people that, man, I have to dig in really super deep to get all the, the way down deep answers. I just believed them. But then there's others of you in here that, that you know what, somebody came to you and said, hey, you need to believe this book. And you had some questions. You, you had some questions about this book. And, and for you, some of the questions that you had didn't allow you just mentally to totally believe this book. Because you had some really big questions. And the answers you were getting from people when you asked these questions were statements like this. Hey, just have faith. Or just believe. Or the Bible says, and for you, you, you had some really big questions that, that the answer the Bible says or just believe or you don't have enough faith, it just didn't seem to really help you with those answers. So maybe you walked away. For some of you, you have an, a, maybe an adult child that that's their testimony, they, they've kind of walked away from the faith because they had some adult Bible questions and they got a Sunday school just believe answer and they couldn't mentally put that together and so they walked away because somebody made them feel almost bad for even asking a question. Because there's this version of Jesus that, that a lot of people think is that, that this message and version of Jesus that we follow is some type of unintellectual idiot. And in order to follow this Jesus, you kind of have to leave your brain at the door, and nothing could be further from the truth. Because, it, and here's, here's the, the kind of the, the key thought, for decades... We have unknowingly anchored our faith to the wrong thing. And for some of you, you're going to get nervous as I'm talking, but hold on to the end. But we have anchored our faith to the Bible says, instead of what anchored the faith of the early church. And that wasn't a book, that was an event. And so nothing could be further from the truth. The unfiltered Jesus and his message is not fragile. It's not unintellectual. It's not fearful of big questions and big ideas. In fact, when Jesus came onto the scene here on earth, people thought he was going to come with political power. And they expected, and they had looked all through the Old Testament for a deliverer, for a savior, and they thought this savior would be some type of king or emperor. And they thought he would come and and kind of overthrow Rome. And yet this Jesus, so, so different from what they expected, came as a teacher, as a rabbi, And what was interesting about Jesus as a teacher and a rabbi is, as he never, when he spoke, he didn't cite precedents or other sources. That's what made him different. When he spoke, he spoke with authority, and his, his authority came from himself. His authority didn't come from who he was referencing. And so Jesus would say things like this, Truly I tell you, And Jesus, the teacher, had such tremendous power and authority with his words as he talked about things like marriage, things like sex, things like hell, heaven, money. He had such authority because he was the Son of God, the teacher. And and what was so interesting is this blew people's minds to the point where Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, Paul said this, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This Jesus that I follow, all the, the wisdom and all the knowledge is hidden in this Jesus and his teaching. See, if you follow history, you know that Paul, before he met Jesus, he stuttered. stuttered. He studied under a brilliant man named Gamaliel. Uh, One of the most brilliant men of his day. And he never said this about Camille, but he said it about Jesus. He said, in Jesus' teaching, all hidden knowledge and treasures, it's full. See, Jesus... Isn't a Jesus where you have to follow him and also leave your brain, but Jesus was a brilliant teacher with brilliant ideas, with authority that people had not experienced. And it's the same Jesus that in Mark chapter 12, he says something that to a Jewish audience, they had heard all of their life, but he added something to it. They, they had heard this thing called the Shema, and they had recited it as little kids, probably thousands of times. But Jesus added something to it as he was teaching. It says this, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And they, they, had, heard that all, they had heard that a bunch. But then Jesus added this. He said, and with all your mind. I want you to worship me with all your heart, with all your soul, and I want you to bring your intellect and your mind and your thoughts and your questions, and I want you to worship me with your mind and your strength. See, Jesus changed the game and he invited people into curiosity, he invited people into questions, he invited people into worshiping him with their minds. And his teaching began to change the world. It began to impact and change history in ways that we take for granted. See, back in this time frame, very few things were written down. So if something happened that was important, it might get written down one time. And the reason is because writing something down was was a, a long process and it was an expensive process. And so you didn't have just bunches of writings about the same event. But Jesus, his life is written down in four Gospels that have been translated into 2,527 languages. Second on the list is Don Quixote and it was translated into 60 languages. And so this teacher, this God-man who came not as a king, not as an emperor, not as a political leader, but he came with authority as a rabbi, as a teacher, has had tremendous impact on our world in ways we don't even know with his teaching. Harvard professor Harvey Cox said this, he said, the words of the Sermon on the Mount are the most luminous, most quoted, most analyzed, most contested, most influential in all human history. This may sound like an overstatement, but it's not. And it was this Jesus in his final command on earth... In Matthew chapter 28, 19, that as he had now come and he had died, he had risen from the grave, he had taught his followers for about three years at that point, and he was about to leave planet earth and go back to heaven, and he was leaving his followers to take the message and to move it on to the ends of the earth. This is what he said to them in Matthew 28, 19. He said, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So Jesus, in, in this process of taking the message and this movement that started with Jesus to the ends of the earth, he says, I want you to take and I want you to teach and what's very interesting is, and now we can look back 2,000 years and we see how his followers took that very seriously. And so they, they took this idea of teaching very seriously and they began to do things that, that people didn't do back then. They began to teach slaves. They began to teach women. They began to te- teach free people and unfree people. They began to teach men. They began to teach and teach the things that Jesus did had shared with them and and monasteries became universities places now that we know like oxford cambridge started based on principles of the scripture in fact oxford started on the basis of psalms 27 1 that says lord is my light see 92 percent of the first 138 universities were started by jesus followers Harvard was started on the the idea and on the verse, John 17, 3 was the foundational verse for Harvard. And literally, as we look throughout history, we see how how people in, in Jesus' time and then hundreds and hundreds of years have passed and people continue to take the message of Jesus and teach it and invite people into believing but also thinking about what jesus said so this this idea that you have to lose your mind to follow jesus is just false see the invitation of jesus was not just believe or the bible says or just have faith see following jesus the teacher is intellectually robust you, you can have the faith of a preschooler or you can bring your adult big questions to him and he says, bring them. Worship me with your mind. He invites that type of intellect. He invites those questions. And here's what's, if, if you're here and maybe you're a little skeptical of Jesus, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad that you're hopefully leaning in a little bit because When you take Jesus and you begin to study him intellectually the way you study other things, he's really hard to dismiss. When, when you look at things even outside of the Bible that speak of Jesus, that speak of the resurrection, other writings of the day, and when you compare those, those studies to the same studies that you have on other subjects, and when you give the credence to other subjects, the same credence to the study of Jesus, he's really hard to dismiss. And, and so as we Focus in on, on not losing our minds, but bringing our intellect and, and obeying Jesus and loving Him with our minds. I want us to, I want to challenge you in a couple ways. And I, I'm talking to maybe two types of people. I'm talking to maybe the person that, that you grew up in church and somebody told you to believe and you just took their word for it, you've never questioned. But I'm also talking to somebody that, that says, you know what? I, I've, I've had questions all my life. And and I never really totally bought into this thing because nobody has ever allowed me or welcomed my questions. They've always given me short little Bible phrases like, hey, just believe or have more faith. And honestly, there's a generation of young people that have walked away from just believe answers. Because they got to college and their freshman English professor challenged their thought and and they didn't know what to say because all they were ever taught was, hey, just believe because the Bible says. And that didn't stand up in in English 101 freshman year. And so I want to help us, I want to challenge us to take back our minds and the first thing we need to do is we, we need to reshift the anchor of our faith. And here's what I mean. Our faith in Jesus is not anchored to a book. It's anchored to an event in history. See, the Bible did not catapult Christianity. The resurrection catapulted Christianity. And and so for for some of us that, man, we, we can't get over some of the questions we have about different parts of the Bible. You know what? Bring all your questions. You don't have to have all the answers about Genesis and creation, and was there really a flood, and was Noah, did he really build a big boat, and what's this circumcision thing? That seems weird, and Revelation seems like this epic video game. I don't have all the answers for that, but you know what? You can bring all those questions because the whole thing doesn't ride on those questions. There are answers to those questions, but you don't have to have all of them before you believe in Jesus because this thing is not anchored to a book it's anchored to the fact that Jesus came died went into a grave and got up out of the grave and is alive that's what the whole thing's anchored on and honestly and maybe you don't maybe you don't know this but for the first 300 years of the church there was no bible There was parts of the Old Testament, but the the Bible you have, the New Testament you have, man, the, the church thrived and grew without it. Because it was never anchored to a book, and we believe this book, we love this book, we teach this book, so don't hear me saying we don't love and teach, we believe this is God's word, but the thing didn't start because somebody put 60-some books in a, a, a binder and put leather around it. That's not what it's anchored to. It's anchored to this question, did Jesus rise from the dead? And that is what this whole thing is anchored to. See, in Jesus' time, there were people that always wanted Jesus to, to give them a sign or, man, do a miracle so we'll believe. And you know what Jesus did so many times? He pointed them to the resurrection and what was going to happen. In John chapter 2, it says, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Like Give us a show, show us uh, feed some people, do a miracle. And Jesus says, he answered them, just believe, don't question, just have faith, the Bible says. No, that's not what he said. He said, hey, destroy this temple, and he was talking about his body, and in three days, I will raise it up. Show us a sign, Jesus. Nope, but you destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll rise it up. That's your sign right there. You watch and wait and see. They didn't get it. And, and, and if you read through the New Testament, I mean, I don't, I don't know, it just seems like the, the, some of the times the disciples were kind of just out there because Jesus would literally say to them, hey guys, I'm going to die, they're going to put my body in a grave, and I'm going to raise from the dead. Peter, what are we having for lunch? No, no, What did, did you guys, deny? like he told them this, he pointed to this, and they, for whatever reason, and we probably wouldn't have got it either, either so we can't make fun of them, but they didn't get it. But Jesus was pointing them to what was going to be the whole thing, the thing the whole thing rides on. And so the invitation is to examine history, the invitation is to examine, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because if somebody can predict their death and resurrection and pull it off, game over. Your questions about Genesis aren't as big a deal as that. Your hurt that you don't understand, which is bad, and, and you question God, that trumps that. The why did the the this happen or why did this happen? or I don't understand this, those are all legitimate things. But if Jesus really went into a grave and got up and is alive today, it trumps all of that. And today my my goal isn't to, to have an apologetics lesson, but my goal is to have you lean in a little bit and ask yourself this question, did Jesus rise from the grave? And if so, it changes the game. And when I go to college or when I go to that that class or I sit down in that scenario and people question the Bible, I can say, you know what? I don't have all those answers, but let me point you back to Jesus and what he did. And we do have answers. And, And so here's some questions that you need to think about as you grapple with this idea of, hey, did Jesus really rise from the dead? And if so, how does that change the game? The first thing is this. For 300 years, why did thousands of people begin following Jesus with no Bible? Like, why would you follow a dead guy? Like, if you didn't, I mean, but but that happened. Another question. Why would Jesus make a claim that is so easy to disprove? Like, why would you claim that you were going to rise from the dead? Because that's a pretty easy one to, to disprove if you don't. Yeah I mean it's uh, why do public documents attest to hundreds of people seeing a resurrected Jesus at one time? Why did every Jesus follower abandon faith after Jesus crucifixion? Why did they change their mind and believe again? Have you ever thought about that? See Jesus was the message. So when Jesus died the whole thing died. And so when Jesus died on the cross, all of his followers abandoned him. Why did they re-engage? If he was the message, why would all these people that ran when he was dying come back more passionately than ever before? See, Jesus was the message. Why isn't there a single record of somebody producing a body? Why isn't there a monument like there are to other religions where the other religious leaders are buried? Why isn't there even one claim to somebody that produced the body of Jesus? If none of Jesus' followers were willing to die for him while he was alive, why did they die for him after he was dead? Why did Peter, on the night Jesus was being killed and being crucified, why did he deny Jesus three times? And then later on in his life, he was crucified himself upside down for Jesus. If you're not going to die for the guy when he's alive, why would you die for him when he's dead? Something must have happened that made Peter and the rest of his followers who weren't willing to die for him the night he was killed, give their life for him in the future. Something must have happened. Why is there no reference to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD in any of the gospels? So the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD was a really, really big historical event. Why don't Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John even mention it? See, a lot of people say that, that try to disprove Jesus and, and his resurrection. They say, you know those gospels, they were written long time after Jesus was alive. And so a lot of that stuff is just a legend. It's stuff that was kind of made into legend over the time period because it was so long after Jesus died. Well, if that was true, why didn't at least one of them mention the one of the most big historical events ever in the Jewish nation? None of them mentioned it. You know why? Because those gospels were written much closer to when Jesus was alive than what people think. See, in Middle East culture, why didn't the disciples just make up a story of a spirit resurrection than a physical, rather than a physical resurrection? I mean, that would have done, like you could have done that and people, oh yeah, He didn't really rise like physically, but like spiritually he rose. And they would have been all good with that, and that would have made sense to them. Why did they continue to claim that Jesus physically rose from the dead when they could have got away with just saying it was kind of like a spiritual thing? See, these are all questions that you need to grapple with as you think of, okay, what is this whole thing right on? And is this whole thing really an unintellectual, like leave your brain at the door faith? Where if you're following Jesus, you're actually an idiot and you have to not really be able to think well. No, this is a very intellectual faith. Where you don't have to leave your brain at the door. And so maybe you're here and you say, man, I get all that, but I just I can't believe the Bible. I just, there's so many questions I have. What we, here's what you have to think about. The Bible's just a collection of books. And so you can't just say, I don't believe the Bible. You have to go book by book because this is just a collection of a bunch of books, a bunch of letters. And so you've got to go in and you've got to say, okay, all right, Matthew. Let, let me disprove what you said. Let me go in and study what you said and let me disprove what you said. And then when I'm done with that, I, I need to go to Mark and I need to disprove what Mark said. And, and then I need to go to Luke who was a doctor and who he was somebody who put a lot of detail, almost asking people to fact check him. He put a lot of detail into his his uh, account of Jesus' life and he, you'd have to disprove him. And then you'd have to go to John and you'd have to disprove John. And then you'd have to go, and this would be the hard one, you'd have to go to, James, the brother of Jesus, who thought his brother was a lunatic, until he claims Jesus rose from the dead, and then he became one of the leaders of the early church. Like, how much would, what would your brother have to do to get you convinced that he was the savior of the world, and you worship him? Yeah, it would take quite a bit, and and so James, he thought his brother was a lunatic, but something happened that took James from thinking his brother was a lunatic to following his brother as his Lord and Savior. So you got to go in and disprove James. And then you get to go to Paul. And Paul was one of the most brilliant intellectuals of the first century and honestly was a fierce opponent of Jesus, maybe the chief opponent. But then something happened to Paul that made this guy that was the chief opponent of Jesus one of the most passionate and powerful followers of Jesus that literally we're reading books thousands of years later that are changing our life that he wrote because he was a follower of Jesus. So you have to be able to go in and disprove all that Paul said. See, following Jesus is not a fragile faith. It's not just believe or the Bible says it's something that happened in history that we anchor our faith to. And so for, for some of us, you, you've maybe, maybe not dug into any of this stuff, and so somebody's asked you questions. I remember a, a freshman in college, I went to a Bible school up in New York, up in upstate New York called Word of Life Bible Institute. And one of the things we did at Word of Life is we would go, from time to time, we would go to some of the bigger cities in the region, and we would share Christ with people on the streets, which is pretty scary to do if you've never done that. But you know what? I was like a two-month-in Bible school student, so I felt pretty good about my intellect, like, oh, I'm sure I know more than all these people out here. So I wasn't too worried about it. And then I met this guy that looked like a homeless person. And in fact, I picked him to talk to because I thought like, oh, this will be easy. He obviously probably doesn't think much and he doesn't have a whole lot upstairs. And so I'm just going to go over to them. I'm going to change his life with my message. I'm going to talk to him about Jesus and this whole thing's going to change for him. And man, he's so lucky that I actually came here today to help him. (laughs) And so I go over and I start talking to this dude. And as I start talking to him, he starts asking me questions. And I start to realize, like, this guy actually knows more about the Bible than I do, because he's saying things in the Bible I didn't even know were in there. Like, oh, there's that book in there? I didn't even know that. And I remember walking away from that conversation, and I had not changed his life. He had humiliated me. And I remember walking away thinking, what the heck do I believe? Like, this guy just tore me up, man. I, I walked up to him with so much pride, and I, I man, I know John 3, 16, don't try me. I can, give you, I can give you the Roman's road, what do you want, backwards or forwards, I'll give it to you, what, whatever you need. And, and he, this guy asked me questions because as a young person, my, my intellect and my kind of basis of this whole thing was, hey, the Bible says, well, yeah, the Bible says, but give me a little bit more. And and so so maybe some of you 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 kind of that same person and you've never really dove into this. And my my what I want you to see you do is I want to see you really dive into this and not dive into it like it's a lightweight thing intellectually. But there is so much to Jesus, and Jesus he loves your questions. And, and following Jesus means loving him with your heart and your soul, but it also means loving him with all your mind. And, and to discover truth, regardless of where we find it, is to worship Jesus, because all truth initiates from God. And so sometimes we're so afraid to talk to people we don't agree with, and if they say something that's true, it's like, man, you know what? They don't even know it, but that came from God. Because all truth is God's truth. What's interesting is when Rome collapsed and the barbarians kind of took over Rome, the greatest preservers of pagan literature were Christians. Because they desperately wanted to learn more. And when they would discover something in literature that was true, it helped them worship God because they understood that all truth began with their God. And so it brought up worship, and so there's there's no need to be be fearful in engaging culture. In fact, early Christians were some of the the biggest movers in art, in music, in culture, science. Some of the early scientists were were people that were followers of Jesus, and for some reason we have gotten so scared that that when we're Christians used to be involved in culture, now they're like afraid of it, and now we've kind of made our own little subculture, and we're weird. I mean, you you guys know that, sometimes we're weird. We've been afraid of, of getting into culture, and so we boycott random places. We produce like mostly bad entertainment. Like once in a while we have a good movie that comes out, but most of them are fairly hokey. I mean, most of the music we produce, it's like, that sounds like the last five songs they were singing. And, And I'm not ragging on it, but I'm saying, we don't need to be afraid to engage culture and engage intellect. Like, we're afraid if somebody says something we don't agree with because we follow a God that raised from the dead and all truth is God's truth. And so when we hear something that's true, it should make us love God with all our mind, no matter where we heard it from. And so we don't need to be afraid. See, we've we've unnecessarily pitted psychology, science, and philosophy against Christianity. Instead of being good learners, good listeners, and in really engaging and listening to other people's perspectives, we've taken ourselves out of those conversations because we're afraid. See. The Christians, and I mentioned this earlier, Christians helped launch the modern science movement, and here's why. Because they believed God was orderly, predictable, and stopped creating and left an orderly, explainable, observable universe. And it was Christians who said the explainable, not unexplainable, points to God. And so they would study because it pointed to their great God as they learned things. See, many of the pioneers of science, there's a Professor Allen at, at Princeton, he said this. He said, We have begun to realize from its very birth, science owed a great deal to Christianity. The filtered Jesus that is anti knowledge, anti science, anti psychology, and anti philosophy is not a Jesus that exists. And if you walked away from that Jesus, Then you can lean back in because you walked away from a Jesus that isn't the Jesus of the Bible. Because the Jesus of the Bible said, I want you to love me with your heart, with your soul, but I also want you to love me with your mind. Bring your intellect, bring your questions. Because this whole thing is anchored to the fact that Jesus Christ went into a grave and rose from the grave. And because of that, it changes everything. And so maybe you're here and, and you're a skeptic. You're, you're, you're somebody that you probably, if you've been here from week to week, you probably, and I appreciate that you don't do it out loud, but you probably argue with me in your mind. And I'm glad, I, I'm glad you're here. And I argue with myself sometime in my mind when I'm up here, but but for some of you, you kind of you're skeptical. And and here's what I would say to you. I, I would almost dare you to give it another look. Give the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? Just give it another look. Bring your intellect, bring your questions, and, and really dive into that question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? But but if you're honest, for some of us that kind of use that as an excuse, that might not be really the reason we're not following Jesus. It might not be that it's an intellectual argument. It might be that, you know what, we're afraid of the implications if it is true. Thomas Nagel, professor at New York University, he said this. He said, I want atheism to be true and am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't that I don't believe in God and naturally hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. And maybe that's you. Maybe, Maybe if you're honest, it's not really an intellectual argument, but you just don't want it to be true because if it is, there's a lot of implications to that. And for you, I would just ask you, man, would you just lean in and just begin to investigate again? Because Jesus will never twist your arm to believe, but he invites you to investigate. And what you might find may just be the thing that, what you're, that you're deeply looking for. The thing that you'll find in Jesus may be the thing that gives you the answers to a lot of the other questions you have in life, but if you're skeptical, lean in. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, and and for you, if you're honest, you've thought, man, my faith is kind of fragile, and maybe you have kind of followed along with the filtered version of Jesus that kind of says, hey, just believe the Bible, just have more faith. Don't ask me those questions because I really don't know the answers, and so just believe or here's a here's a verse, just here's the verse, just read the verse. And, and maybe that's been the answer to every question. And, and I would encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to man, throw that idea out that your faith is fragile and re-engage by worshiping God with your mind. See, do everything you can. If you're a mom or a dad, do everything you can to get your students In a place where they can ask honest questions and hear honest answers about truth. Because there's literally a generation of people that have walked away from the church because their their parents, they they thought that a lot of other things were important, but they never put their kid in a place where they could ask real questions and get real answers, and they just told their kid, hey, just believe, or the Bible says, or your pastor says this, and that hasn't been enough, and their kids have walked away from God, and they wonder why. And and at the end of the day, it's our kid's choice. But we can put them at least in an environment where they can ask questions and not hear Sunday school answers that don't really answer their questions. Mom and dad, our faith is not fragile. The questions our kids have are okay, Because it all comes down to, did Jesus rise from the dead? And we believe he did because the Bible says, but also because history tells us that. And so our faith is not fragile. And so we don't have to be afraid to engage our neighbor who who disagrees with us on maybe every single level. We can have conversations. We can be the best listeners in the room. We can be the best learners in the room. We can be light in the room with people that we don't agree with. We can re-engage culture because we're not fearful, because our faith is not fragile, because our Savior rose from dead and it changes everything and so if if that is your anchor then you have no reason to fear it's our hope regardless of what questions we have regardless of what we're struggling with there will be a day when the last trumpet sounds The dead really are going to be raised from the jaws of death, and we are going home to Jesus, because Jesus walked into the octagon of death, and he ripped the keys from hell, he ripped the keys from hurt, he ripped the keys from pain, and he ripped the keys from Satan, and he is in charge, and Satan has no power, not because we're so great, but because our Savior rose from the dead. And it changes everything. And we we can walk through life confident. We can walk through life listening, learning, and being light in our culture. Not because we're better, but because we follow a Savior who rose from the dead. Let's have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. As we Close up and we have one more week in this series. And then we're gonna start a series about our home and about parenting and and some other subjects. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and and if you're honest, you're you're that person that as a kid had some big questions. And nobody could really answer those questions. In fact, they just gave you a lot of, hey, just believe, just have more faith. And you walked away. Maybe you didn't walk away physically, but you walked away mentally. Maybe you still sit in a seat at church once in a while. But man, for you, you haven't bought into this thing because, man, you felt like if you were to buy into this thing, you'd have to leave your brain at the door. And my my question for you is, would you just once again, would you just reinvestigate? Would you just lean in again? And and yeah, you, you can have questions about Genesis and about Revelation and about all the different things. And and those are great questions, and there are answers. It takes a lot take a long time to answer them all, but man, there are answers for those things, but it doesn't all sit on the answers to those questions. This whole thing rides on the fact that Jesus came to earth as God's son. He went to a grave dying for our sin. And three days later, history tells us and the scriptures tell us that that Jesus got up out of the grave. And so if you're skeptical, would you just continue to lean in? Would you continue to come back to church? Would you continue to ask questions? And if you're somebody who's a follower of Jesus, and 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 you have, if you're honest, you've been maybe one of those people that it's just been a, hey, kid, just believe, just have more faith, because in your own mind, you've thought, man, this kind of thing is kind of fragile. Would you re-engage loving God with all your mind? Would you immerse yourself again in the scriptures? Would you be a okay with some of the questions you've been pushing away from your mind, would you bring those out into the light? Because Jesus asked you to love him with your mind, and he's not afraid of your questions. And so let's, let's be a church that is not afraid of people that think differently than us, because we are confident that our Savior went into a grave and rose. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that, Lord, you you desire our hearts, you desire our souls, you want our love, but, man, you invite us to love you with our minds. And, Lord, I pray whether we're skeptical of you or whether we're somebody that maybe grew up in church and just has always believed, Lord, I pray that we would love you with our intellect and that we would engage culture with our questions, with our light, And Lord, that you would use the study of you and the study of the greatness of our God to impact us in ways we can't even imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.